Hello and welcome to another episode of Versus, sponsored by The Modern Nerd. I am Sir Slice, and I have a very special guest here, Mr. Hottie Williams. Now, you may be asking yourself, who is this guy? Well, I'm going to tell you. He is the creator and uh, host of a sketch comedy discussion series on Fox Soul called Unpacked. He voiced uh, numerous characters in Resident Evil 7 Biohazard and The Evil Within 2. Recent TV appearances include Rookie, Feds, and SWAT, and he is an award-winning actor slash filmmaker excuse me, at the Martha Vineyard, Martha's Vineyard Film Festival, sponsored by HBO in 2018, Best Picture winner for Mid-City Blue and the Studio City International Film Festival 2017 for the movie Runner Runner, amongst many other accolades that we will go over here today. Hadi, how are you? I'm wonderful, sir. So great to see you. Thank you for having me. It's a joy to be here. Excellent. I am so happy that we finally got to caught up again. We met a couple weeks ago at uh, the Full Sail Hall of Fame, uh, which was a really fun thing to do and really cool uh, time. So anyone out there who wants to know more about Full Sail, check it out. Uh, I definitely recommend it. Um, but enough on that. It's time to talk <laughs> about you, sir. Um, so you are, I mean, an actor, a writer, sketch comedy. You've done so many things. Um, and you've told me so many about them, but let's start a little bit ways back. Like, uh, mm -hmm. uh, what was your first passion? Was it writing? Was it acting? Like, did you decide, like, I want to be in entertainment in this specific field? Or was it like one thing? What, what, what kind of inspired you? Oh, it was absolutely theater is where it began. Absolutely acting. Really, before I even had like a full understanding, I think, of what being an actor was. I was kind of pushed into it um, at a young age. And in kind of like, I remember there's video, if you go back to like me being like six years old, Stage Door Theater here in, out in suburban LA um, was probably my first time like on an actual stage performing um, a spiritually themed interpretation of The Wizard of Oz. Oh. Um, yeah. um, but it led to, I think me having like a, just enjoying it and Later, what happened was I was about 12 years old and I'd asked my parents if I could take acting classes and they were kind of open to it and receptive to it. And I just began really there and finding that like I really enjoyed, um, I think it was the combination of um, the freedom that it allowed and then also being able to um, yeah, just experiment with character in different ways. And it just, I got hooked on it. That's cool, man. Uh, I, you know, I, I wish I had one of those experiences when I was a kid that was like, I'm going to do the thing, but it took me a little bit longer to kind of find my passion, which was it, it enjoying everyone else's passion and doing what I'm doing now. So, so uh, it's very, it's, it's special. And, you know, for me, I also, the thing though, too, I discovered it at a young age, but then I also discovered the, the challenge in the real pursuit of it at a young age as well. Cause it was okay. like, I, began taking classes and that kind of led to getting an agent and that led to like professional auditions. And it also led to like professional rejection and being like, oh, this is so fun. I love it. Being like, wait, why don't they like me? Why don't they let me do it? <laughs> um, and really being discouraged by that around like 13, 14. Oh, and man. it really took, I think, going back to theater in high school and being able to just play and enjoy that um that led me to eventually like wanting to pursue theater in college but there was a point where I was like oh this isn't fun like this isn't what yeah the, the juice of what I enjoyed because again trying to navigate it 
you know, professionally, it's just a different, you're, you're, it's just a whole different game yeah. altogether. Just like, oh, I love doing this. So you, you grew up in LA? Well, outside of LA. So well, I, I, LA area. Yeah. Yeah. LA area. Yeah. 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 Okay, okay. So that meant, so you probably had a little bit more exposure to it than some people say growing up in, you know, the Midwest or something like that. Now, is anyone in your family also in entertainment in, in the industry at all? Or is were you the first to kind of really be like, I want to be an entertainer. I want to do something like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I am like my dad, he's, um, he's been a, mu a musician and he was involved in the music industry when That's he was awesome. young, like on the East coast. But no, as far as like family kind of connections and someone moving you into it, no, it was very much of something that I wanted to do. And even my parents, they were supportive up until when I, I got older and was like, no, no, I really want to do this. And like, wait, 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 we want you to do what you want to do. But like, hold on, are you sure you really want to do this? Cause <laughs> You know, the path of this is so uncertain that, of course, it's for a kid to tell their parents, yeah. that they want to, you know, really double down and invest in this, um, you know, often raises alarms in their minds of like, how are you going to support yourself? How are you going to survive, et cetera? Yeah. And yeah, I very much went through those experiences of scraping by barely in order to continue the pursuit. Um, so you know, those fears were not unfounded. Sure. <laughs> the, struggle, the struggle was very sure. much real. Um, but no, it was something that I felt um, called to do. And I think over time, the purpose that I feel behind it now grew more and matched kind of the passion that I that I had for it initially. That's awesome. I mean, it. it I love hearing stories where you can tell your parents people can tell their parents that they want to go into entertainment movies writing that kind of stuff and and obviously every parent is going to unless they're in the industry most parents are going to be like well that's really difficult i don't know but then to really kind of get over that hump and have the support and and still be able to go through it because i know there's so many people that i've talked to when i was younger that really wanted to be in entertainment and we we grew up and you know we were all kids once we all had imaginations and we all let them run wild and pretended to be power rangers in the front yard or whatever yeah, yeah, it was yeah. <laughs> i'm a ninja turtle and then you know the dream kind of dies for some people they're like oh well yes that's really fun but i'm gonna go be an accountant or i'm mm -hmm. gonna go be a dentist or something like that and there's nothing wrong with any of those professions we need them obviously True. yeah but yeah, i think molar needs fixing don't come to me i yeah, can't help no, mm -mm, not <laughs> happening forget about it um, but I love being able to talk to people uh, who are still, you know, pursuing the dream who aren't, you know, obviously the goal is like, I want to talk to the, you know, the, the, uh, the Chris Hemsworth and all those people, but like, this is where it all starts. You are where it all starts. You know, this is, this is the beautiful part of it. Now, when we were talking, you did a lot of, you've done acting. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that for a second. So your latest ones, uh, or at least more recent that I've seen, is, is, is the Rookie Feds, uh, which is, for anyone who doesn't know, the spinoff show from The Rookie starring Nathan Fillion, and then SWAT, who had a bunch of people in, in that show. Uh, yeah. uh, so yeah, how, how did you get those roles? Like, what, what was the process for, for people who don't necessarily know uh, how you got into that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'll go, I'll take the long form version of that and I'll arrive to where you are. So like, um, I got a degree in theater. Um, I got a bachelor of fine arts from Howard University. Um, and after that, I, I came back to Los Angeles and really started doing anything I could acting wise. Um, yeah. Student films, short films, 
Whereas any literally anything that I could jump in front of, I, I really did. And this was before I had an agent or any kind of representation. Right. I self-submitted. I worked for free. I was like, can I crew on? I literally was like crew on an independent film and then was like, hey, I act too. And they threw me in a scene. Nice. Um, nice. Grinding. <laughs> actually, get it up. Cyborg, that's how I ended up in a scene with Ving Rames, which was like part of how I got my first agent. That's awesome. Um, was that scene. And so... I say all that to say that I ended up, I think the, that these recent things are all kind of an accumulation of, you know, what comes before. And for me, it's always been, how can I think outside of what might be the box to continuously move forward and to not be um, caught up in what, uh, what the perception is, but like, let me just keep doing the small steps. And so, for example, with the current representation that I have, when... I was looking for, when I didn't have, let me back it up and say, for a lot of these roles, like you need representation. For like right. the SWATs and the rookie feds, like you need yeah. an agent or a manager who's going to uh, put you up for those roles because they just aren't open for the general public to say, hey, I want to be on TV. Um, Got it. And so in order to kind of get that middleman, quote unquote, if you think of it that way, that cosign, you have to submit to them to say, represent me. And at one point, when I didn't have the representation I desired, but I had a lot of work that I've accumulated from self-submissions and through relationships and right. things of that nature, projects that I've worked on and put together, I cut together like a two minute reel of all the stuff that I had done. I've spent days just sending it out, sending it out, sending it out to anybody, like agents, managers. Like I went down a whole laundry list of hundreds of emails and got like two responses, like literally two. But one of them ended up being um, my current manager now. Nice. Um, and so, how long ago was that? This was twenty. It was twenty seventeen. Okay. Cool. Yeah, twenty eighteen when I ended up with uh, my current manager now at MGMT Entertainment. Um, nice. And so, I ended up, and even after that, there have been. Goodness, dozens and dozens of auditions that have come and gone that I didn't get um, that led to the recent ones that happened. Um, Rookie Feds was the end of last year and then uh, uh, SWAT was just this year, um, was booking those two. And those came about because, you know, they sent the audition my way. And these days, because of COVID, as actors, almost everything that we do is self-tape. So okay. you're recording it on your own with hopefully a friend or another actor that you can work with, but you're recording it on your own. You're putting this tape together and you send it to them and hopefully they see it, are receptive to it. They like it. And, you know, the, the process goes from there, but, okay. you know, I think the real answer to how does it happen is like, you have to have a, I think a determination and a resilience to be willing to go. Run, like put yourself out there um, in a variety of different ways um, and then just continue to do that, even if you're not getting any indication that you should. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which, which is, I don't even, I don't know if that's sensible advice, but it's the real advice. It's like, because, yeah. Sure, sure. So you got to have some tough skin. It's got to be a balance between tough skin and I would, what, say knowing not to be overzealous kind of a nice balance so you're gonna you're gonna come up with a lot of rejections but you got to be able to face them not let that kind of bring you down but then there's the opposite of people who who i've you know seen not personally but where it's like they think they're hot shit and they get rejected and take it personally and then become you know like go to their head in the wrong way so 
kind of kind of keep it even cool and 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 yeah yeah no, I think, yeah i think that's that's a great way to sum that up because you know the ego is a sensitive thing and can be certainly <laughs> it can take a bruising and i yep. think at this point i just i feel fortunate to have like gone through that to a certain extent to where you know i i, I shake it off a lot easier because most of the time you don't get the thing that you want in this industry in this game most of the time um but when you do it's a lot of fun it's really great sure (laughs) which which is Um, what i was going to ask you like what was it like you know working on rookie feds and swat like it's when you get to go on to these sets of shows that are like the bigger productions where they have just just resources at their disposal to do so many things it's so much fun like the first time rookie feds was the first time i had a stunt double and i lost my mind i was like what you guys hired somebody but for me what like i took a picture with him and everything like he looks like me oh my god this is so cool like i geeked out like it is you geek out about certain things it's like because it is such a um you know so much of a process to, to get to that point to when you do get to experience it it is um it's, it's just really special it's really special and i don't i don't take any of it for granted for a minute that's awesome um, that's real awesome man I, I i love that that you have these stories and that you can do it is it weird like i for context i've known you for like a month we've interacted on like four different days and i'm just sitting <laughs> here i'm just like beaming i'm like i'm so proud of this fucking guy like you're doing wow. it man you're out there you're 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 making it happen you're you're doing that you're acting on top of that you're you're writing and you're you're making content so i want to talk a little bit about how uh, before i get into too much of like the writing and and things that you're doing you know or whatever you can talk about i want to talk about um unpacked you you were a creator yeah. and host of a sketch comedy show man like yeah. i grew up in chicago so sketch comedy was something that was like part of the culture second city course, was like second city. huge so yeah how how did you kind of a two-part uh what inspired you to do sketch comedy and then how did you get that started how does one even start to pitch that and and make that a reality Mm -hmm. i have i'll i'll take that i have a great full circle kind of moment in this all for it unquestionably my inspiration was uh like keenan ivory wayans robert townsend i'm gonna get you sucker hollywood shuffle and living color um they're definitely my like as a kid, even Leslie Nielsen and like the Naked Gun movies and like Love that those. kind of comedy is was something that I just grew up with. My dad has a great sense of humor, and I think I, I very much um, inherited that from him. And so I was inspired by those guys. And I think my start came from just really observing and then thinking about like, huh, work. Well, I should say my first sketches that grew to unpacked happened. Um, 2013, 2014, in um, the outcome of the Trayvon Martin verdict, um, oh, I wrote a sketch called Two Black Cops in Fergus Sanford. And the sketch was basically two about two black cops who um, essentially are overly aggressive and they, um, they profile this just young, innocent white guy. And they comedically do so to the point where it escalates where they actually end up killing him. And the thing Shit. that I was trying to, work to, to showcase in the sketch is how, you know, when you put the same kinds of practices on a different face and a different 
in a different color, then it looks and feels different. And it can be funny, but at the, also t at the same time, um, it can be very provocative. And and it was. And a lot of some people loved it. Some people didn't like it. Some people were kind of triggered by it. But that, of course, was the idea. Um, and of course, since and from that, I should say, I kept kind of writing sketches and writing sketches that you know touched on topics that were divisive and problematic in different ways, whether it was sexuality, whether it was religion, um, history. Like we wrote a sketch um, called Jesus Saves the Slaves about a group of slaves who are introduced to Jesus Christ by their slave master for the first time. And I mean, that sounds- Follow-up questions about who, who's this guy we're supposed to be worshiping? Um, <laughs> and- That sounds like an experience right there, man. <laughs> we strive to make it an experience but it was from my writing and creating these sketches and kind of building a small team of folks who worked with us out here in LA right. that the idea kind of came to me of like all right we're doing these sketches how can we do more with these versus just putting them out and so the idea for the show came from all right let's have a format where we can put a sketch together but then Following that sketch, we have a sit-down kind of format panel discussion where we have um, uh, folks who are intellectuals, entertainers, comedians, et cetera, who take part in this discussion about what it is that we just watched. Um, oh. And so that kind of was the format for the show. It's kind of like The Daily Show meets, um, you can think, In Living Color or Chappelle Show. Um, I love but, In Loving Color. I'm going to say that. I grew up on, you know, Saturday Night Live and everything. And then I found In Living Color with Jim Carrey, the Waynes, uh, just everybody. And I was like, this is because it was so much more hard hitting than anything that was happening in Saturday Night Live. And Saturday Night Live pushed some boundaries here and there. But I mean, In Living Color, man, yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. I was going to ask you about Chappelle's show because Chappelle is a bit more of a controversial topic nowadays, unfortunately. I loved his his Chappelle show. I still quote that, but it seems like because what what Chappelle was doing, at least at the time, was very like, oh, you have this is what you don't want us to talk about. Well, guess what I'm going to do? And just because that the first sketch that came out on tv for that i think was the black white supremacy black white supremacy yeah, which yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you watch this and you're like what is happening on screen like being me i'm like am i allowed to laugh at this because it's like you really, absolutely, have, you really want, yeah, you have to question yourself mm -hmm. it was hilarious but i was like oh that's ridiculous too to think like on the like if you were to just flip that around and they were white people it's just like oh it suddenly becomes whoa whoa wait these are things that are actually happening in the world this is a topic that's very real and at the time because that was what 10 15 years ago at least yeah. they yeah. weren't in the forefront they weren't being talked about as much you know and, and unfortunately it took and i'm really not trying to get political here but it did take some polarizing asshole figure like trump to put it into perspective that these things are still happening and they're still going on and it is a problem. So to hear that, you know, even what, when were you doing, uh, uh, what was this 2014, 2015? Yeah. That's when, when, yeah, when we first wrote it, shot it and put it out was that 2014. So, I mean, like it's still relevant and that yeah. the show that you were doing that show, even then, like, it's amazing that it's, I'm glad that all of this is still getting, you know, content that you are still making that. And then, you know, that there are people still out there telling stories, whether it is a movie, whether it's a sketch comedy, whether it's a show that it, it brings more issues to the forefront. It's not all just fun and games and happy go lucky times. 
that there are still we can still do both. I love that idea of unpacking everything you just watched. I think that's a brilliant, brilliant idea because too many times it becomes you know, just me and my friends, just a group of people watching something on TV and then discussing it from our point of view. And if it's a topic like the Trayvon Martin shooting or like, you know, white supremacy or slavery, everyone I'm sitting on the couch with is white. So we're not going to have the ability to ask the questions or hear the side of the story that needs to be heard to really get the message across. So I think that that was knowing more about unpacked is is a beautiful thing is that still going on is is someone still yeah. helming that no we're still look we we have it very much packaged and are still actively pitching it you know the time hollywood is in a, in a tough moment right now as i'm sure you're aware yeah. with you know with the writer's strike and and things have kind of slowed to a to a, to a slow drip right now there isn't really a lot happening on on that scale as far as pitching and, and projects kind of moving forward but um creatively we're always like writing ideas i have a, a group of uh writers that I, I work with here and collaborate with and we have just we have stacks of kind of ideas and sketches about a whole number of things that we've written and that are very much ready to go and so unpacked is something that i'm very excited to see move forward um yeah. you know kind of the timing is right and finding the right home for it because it is i love that you said that because it's a format that allows for not just entertainment but for real interaction and hopefully um you know learning and understanding I mean, and that's really what the goal yeah. is for me as the creator coming from it is even if i touch a point um that triggers someone that feels like a soft sensitive point it's like well why what is it about that that makes you upset let's dig into it so that we can understand why so that perhaps from what might be perhaps outrage at first, you can then understand uh, what the root of that is. And perhaps we can better understand each other afterwards. I think that- Yes, more of that. Often, and yeah, too often for this, for risk of um, being offensive, we aren't able to truly engage with where we are. Um, and I think one thing I love about sketch comedy is that it can be ridiculous, it can be over the line, it can be outrageous, for the sake of a satirical point. Um, and then having, being able to, to really talk about it afterwards kind of brings home what the reality is as well. Um, and the full circle I was gonna say about it was, so um, I'm one of my good friends and, and um, creative collaborators is Greg Wings. Um, he and I did a TV show in 2013. Fast forward, we were, um, we created a, show together and we met with his uncle Keenan and I got a chance Shit. to actually Go I have goosebumps time, right now you say no, Keenan Ivory Wayans and I'm like it was great. by this time I had like we had shot the show and I was pitching I was actively pitching it just before the Fox Soul deal had happened and I was trying to find a home for it and I got a chance to pitch it to him and show it to him um and tell him how inspired I was by everything that he had done and and um what it was Oh, he really he enjoyed it. He really liked it. He did. Now it was he, he didn't feel like it was for him in that moment. And at sure. the time, I had another. <laughs> it's funny the the executive producer Bentley Kyle Evans, who I gotten to give me some of the money to shoot the show. Um, he goes back with Keenan, and so he was like, "Wait, so is he producing it? Or are you looking for a producer?" And so he ended up not being a part of going come coming on to the project, but like being able to show it to him and having him laugh at some of what we did and to like yeah. 
actually give his his blessing for it was like it, it was one of the best moments it genuinely was yeah. like and um yeah yeah that's awesome, man. That's super cool. I'm a nerd. So I just love hearing stories about that shit where you're just like you meeting like celebrities and like people that have inspired you. So like I, I geek out like I try no, not to because yeah. I got to like maintain composure and keep talking and moving it forward. But I'm like, oh, my God, tell me more about Keenan Wayne. Um, no. Uh, so uh, uh, you mentioned uh, Hollywood being in a very weird time right now with the strike. Are you because I wanted to talk to you about that. Are you part yeah. of the WGA? Are you are you um, I'm not presently a member of the WGA. However, um, I'm a member of, of SAG and I've the the past sure. several weeks I've been on the picket lines. Um, That's awesome, man. Brothers and sisters of the WGA, because I think as creatives, it's important for us to stand in, in solidarity because we really are all in this together. Um, you know, of course, we're in different facets of this creative process, but it's essential that we realize that we are certainly allies and, and facing the same the same issues. Um, and, you know, the SAG contract is up for negotiation next month. Yeah, next month. And okay. so we're going to be dealing with the same the same fight when it comes to you know, the streaming and residuals and the other things that the WGA yeah. is fighting for now. So, no, solidarity is is really everything right now um, when it comes to keeping um, keeping creative control and, and um, just the realizing just where the money goes and who, who gets the biggest piece of that. Yeah. Because... Um, it's not a it's not a money problem. It's a distribution problem. It's not that right. um, it's a matter of you know the, the CEO pay is astronomical when you think about how that could be better divided and shared um, in order to better benefit everybody involved. Not to mention the folks who really are the inspiration for these ideas and these stories that yeah. we love. Um, and like I didn't know a ton about strike i was like okay i'm whenever i heard that there was a strike there was a strike what 2007 2008 i was already i was like yeah like i'm all for the writers getting equal pay i don't know what it was i couldn't tell you but i was listening to um kevin smith his fat man beyond podcast mm -hmm. and uh mark bernardin who is a writer and uh does a bunch of different stuff wrote on like castle rock and things like that he just took the time he's like i'm just gonna tell you about tell you about the strike and what's happening and then broke it down for me and hearing about it like it was I was talking to someone else kind of about it and not even about it but, but just a conversation that I had months ago is exactly what's happening right now because I didn't know so if I'm going to do the really short version of this is is yeah. essentially back in like you know 80s 90s early 2000s pre-netflix and streaming when you would write a show if you if they took your idea for the script and and it got made it to air um essentially you would uh that person every time it aired on a rerun every time it aired in syndication every time it aired anywhere it there would be a, a percentage a, a dollar amount whatever it is that gets paid out to that individual and or other individuals that work on it mm -hmm. so you could write on a show they could give you 20 grand here's your little bit for that but every time it airs you get you know this 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 and this so then you're sustained you have a sustainability within the industry and then when netflix sort of kind of came around and and or the rest of them not just netflix you know, amazon and hbo and all that they suddenly were like okay well it's only here we're not 
airing it on Fox. Reruns don't air later on FX or on Nick at Night or whatever the heck it might be. So we're instead, we're going to give you a larger upfront fee. And that's it. Have a good day. So basically, you get paid for writing some words. And then every time this, you know, it gets replayed, someone makes money, but it's not the writers. It's not the it's not the people who worked on the show. It's the people who, you know, were behind the scenes producing. It's people who own Netflix. It's people who, you know, own Amazon. So there's money out there to be had, uh, to be shared uh, amongst writers and and everyone in in that position but it's not getting paid out because of this new streaming concept so for anyone who didn't know that was the breakdown and when i learned about it i was like that needs to be fixed like and i never thought about it but i ha- i was having a conversation about like oh you know you can you know uh, sell a script to Netflix and you're, and you're like you think you made it I did it I sold my show they, bought the, they may not do anything with it but you sold them this script and you made money but you ain't making a dime after that and I never thought about that until now and I'm like that's awful so to anyone who's a writer to all those people I know I can say here at the modern nerd that we all stand behind you and I know my co-hosts who are obviously are on the main show they will definitely stand behind you for sure so you know uh, uh, I hope this all gets settled it's funny because someone was like oh the writers you know the 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 heads of these studios are all gonna be like oh they'll cave in they need the work and blah 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 the fans are gonna turn on the writers motherfucker do you know how large your catalog is we're gonna spend the next like there's so much content out there for us to watch that you've already put out that we are not gonna get tired of watching something you know what i mean like oh no netflix is a huge library by the time i'm uh uh worn out it'll be years from now mm. we're not going to wear out first i stand with the writers pay them their money you're going to start losing money because you're not going to make any new content. You're not going to get any new subscribers. You're going to start losing subscribers because there's nothing there. They're going to jump ship and go work. Some- so it's just like, I don't know who these people think they are. They're just greedy and it's, it's depressing. And it's literally just greed. And it's, it's now we're, we're talking about it now in, in relation to the entertainment industry, but we see it in so many of our industries in this country where Large corporate entities are greedy and don't want to empower workers and don't want to allow workers to have basic rights and basic protections and collective bargaining. And we're seeing it across from the service industry to teachers to it's it's like just across industries. And it's just a matter of wild and uninhibited greed meeting people saying, hey, you know what, why don't you help us maintain in an economy that is continuing to become more difficult to stay afloat in. And you all are doing amazingly well. Even though, you know, Netflix won't open up its books and show exactly who watches what, because then of course we'll know what those real numbers are. We do know how much their CEO makes. And it's like, you guys are doing extremely well. Why don't you just share? We don't, the, the need to be that greedy just doesn't have to exist. Is it- it's not like they're saying, give us all your money. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, just make it fair. It's, it's to me, there's like, it, you know, it, it, you were saying it's across all industries, teachers and it's at the music industry is atrocious. I can't, I, I've known in, uh, people in that. And I'm like, that is, I don't know how any musician makes any money whatsoever, uh, which I'm not even going to get into right now. Cause we could spend the next four hours talking about that. My sister's a teacher and it's, 
I, I you know, I, I, it's the saddest thing ever. I love her to death. She does the best work, and I, I want her. Teachers do. They do the precious work. And they the make the price tag on it. No, they make you. They make me. They make everyone else. They're the building blocks. I, again, it, it's it's absurd. There was one point in time, I was I'm an I was an optician for the last ten years, and as a manager, I made more money than my sister. And I was like, I, that makes no sense to me. I felt so bad. I felt so guilty that I was like, I mean, I was like, I mean. I'm working my ass off, so I'm still gonna, you know, sure. get my yeah, not that you want a hard working man to manager. buy my stuff, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Sometimes don't ask my employees. But anyway, um no. <laughs> um, but I just I felt bad. And and to say that it's it's it it to try and just get on equal grounds, like that sounds so much like another topic that it's depressing. I can't help it because when you were like, Oh, we just want a little bit more, it's just it's 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 like the black lives matter movement to me because the the one word there i get so angry when i start talking about this because people are i don't understand how there's so many problems in this world and i'm not going to sit on this forever but the words are black lives matter not Mm -hmm. matter more Mm -hmm. not you know uh uh, more important (laughs) than you just just want some equality human beings are all on this planet we all work the same earth we share this planet and we need to live together and be respectful and kind and everything will be fine the fact that there's these atrocities happening is is unbelievable and and it breaks my heart every day and it's sad because you hear about like oh there was another school shooting and there's been so many in this country that it's almost desensitized us to it like i i i try not to listen to the news because then i'll just be upset and sad my wife does all the time god bless her and and i love her to death but she gets so angry and she has every right to be angry that that these things are happening and so to tie this in to to not just go on a political rampage here um to know that there are people in this world that are doing work in the entertainment industry to to entertain you first and foremost, but to also bring a message, to bring something to light, to to have it be like, maybe you can learn something. If one person learns something new from Unpacked, that is a huge win. Like if one person listens to this show that I record with you and goes, my God, that guy's doing some good work. And I feel like I've done a win because I want your story to get out there. That's why I do these interviews. That's why I do the verses uh, uh, series is to just tell stories. If you're white, black, male, female, trans, gay, straight, non-binary, I want your story. I want to know more about, I want to know more about Hottie Williams right now. And, and it just, it again, it, it broke my heart But to, to hear all of these these atrocities. But I'm so happy and so glad that you are out here writing and bringing truth to the stage, bringing truth to the camera, bringing this to the light and being entertaining and fun and funny and serious in all these things. Because I'm, I'm an advocate of everything can be entertaining. Everything can have a fun or funny spin to it. Now there's some things you just don't joke about, but I love that you are able to take something like the the skit you were talking about, the Trayvon Martin skit where it's two black cops and they profiled a white cop and make it, yes, there's a couple of quips probably in there, but the overall impact of it is a little bit more serious. So uh, for me, 
personally, I can speak for myself. Thank you for doing all of that. Man, I, well, cool. You're welcome. I, I, I received that wholeheartedly because it's kind of like my version of in lieu of like grabbing a megaphone and like angrily yelling on a street yeah. corner somewhere. It's like, okay, where can I take this and try to put it into something that feels like it can be digestible and hopefully productive? Um, because I think the reality is there are a number of things we could go down the list that I think we are rightfully it your wife is rightfully upset that we all who are aware are rightfully upset and angry and emotional about because there's something in us that says wait there's a decency and fairness that we could be existing within but for any number of reasons we are not and and there are forces at play that don't seem, and the folks that we empower to help us get closer to that don't seem to be invested in doing so to the degree that's satisfying for us. Yeah. And that's really frustrating, mm -hmm. especially when you're faced with, when we're faced daily with the human cost of that. And so it's like, all right, what do we do with all of that short of like, like you said, just where do you take that? Where do you place that? And I think for me, because I, I love, I love comedy. I love storytelling and I love the power that it can have and the transformative power that I can have and the power that it's had on me. It's like, all right, this is a way to funnel it into, into through that medium and then hopefully come out with something that, um, moves in some way, shape or form moves closer to that place where yeah it is a safer and more humane existence for literally everyone yeah um there's a lot of we're so freaking tribal these days and of course tribalism is just an aspect of human nature but Fair. it's just so hyperbolic these days that it's um it's it's literally killing us and so literally <sighs> The, the, the hope and the desire and the aspiration is to take the things that I love and that I enjoy and that I have a talent for um, and put those to use in service of what can be, like I said, moving towards a space that is more, um, yeah, just more, more, let's just say better. <laughs> for lack yes. of, a, of a better word in that sense, it's, you know, more, more peaceful, more understanding. Um, and, and allows for uh, a space for us to, to be more caring to one another, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I agree. And and I'm glad that, that you're doing the work uh, uh, and, and and I can do my part to try and get that out through through my medium. So yeah. I'm, oh, I'm happy sure. here. Like we, all, we all can in the different ways, yeah. in the various ways in which we may have the ability to do so i think we all can yeah um, I'll, I'll stand on my my tiny little soapbox that is my podcast here and hey, and, and shout right. it as loud as i can <laughs> um so uh, not to completely shift the topic but we were on the topic of writing and and, and all that kind of stuff and 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 uh, we're not winding down but are is there because i didn't ask you this before so i'm gonna kind of be all kind of shadowy and mysterious about my question is there anything you're working on now that you can talk about that is in line with what we've been discussing 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Something we talked about before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if you can talk about it. I don't know what Does the words come up before. Yeah, absolutely, man. I um so there is a project that I'm I'm very excited about that I've been working on for some years now. Um it's called Unconquered. Um and it is a story that is ah, so American, honestly, for, for several reasons. But um, so essentially it's about a, a man named John Horst. Um, he's the protagonist in the story. He is um, half black, half Seminole. It's set in the time before the Civil War, 1830s in Florida. Uh, this is a time when the Native American Seminole um, were prosperous in Florida and they allowed for um, enslaved folks who had uh, fled bondage from Alabama, from Georgia, from other places. They fled south as opposed to going north. And when they fled south into um, kind of like the marshes and swamps of Florida, they often would meet and uh, settle with the, the Seminole who welcomed them, um, who did not, uh, contrary to the time and certainly contrary to other Native American tribes at the time, they did not believe in this American chattel slavery. And so they formed cooperative communities over time. Um, where there was a sharing of, of culture, of language. Um, oftentimes there was intermarriage as well. And of course there were uh, Southern slave owners who didn't like this at all. And so- You don't say. <laughs> you don't say, you want not, not too fond of. Um, and so they, so essentially in 1830, um, Andrew Jackson, president at the time, he signed the Indian Removal Act, um, which is essentially how they were able to, they, they legitimized um, the removal of um, what was called the, the five civilized tribes of the time, um, which led to the, the Trail of Tears, which many of us are familiar with, but it also um, led to the forced removal of the Seminole from Florida. However, the Seminole were the only tribe that basically said, we're not going. Um, and so they were trying to re-enslave the uh, the black folks that had settled with them as well as remove them from their land. And so when they said that they weren't going, um, there were skirmishes that ultimately led to a series of what came to be known as the Seminole Wars. Um, and what often isn't told in history about um, the Seminole Wars, specifically the second Seminole War yeah. from 1835 to 1842, was the prominent role that um, these black folks played in that. Um, and John Horace, he rose to be one of the leaders in these uprisings against the, the U.S. Army and uh, these Southern slave owners were trying to uh, recapture them. There were more than 21 um, uh, sugar plantations that were raided and destroyed in Florida. As a result of this, there was um, just all kinds of, of activity that was meant to, that they did to really just stand up and to say that no, we, we have a right to to exist, to yeah. be, to, to exist here in our home. And so I first heard about this story back in 2016, which very late, by the way. I'd never heard of this my entire life. And, you told me a couple weeks ago. So, you know what and, I mean? <laughs> like, and so this is just, I'll jump to how it makes me feel about Florida and the time, especially now, and what they're doing with their education system. And it's mm. just so telling. But I hadn't heard about it then. But I, through social media, I came to hear the story and I was like, I was fascinated by it. And so I just kind of went down a rabbit hole of, of um, really investigating it and learning about it. And 
I decided that this was this story is amazing. Somebody, somebody's tried to write about this. Someone's told the story, and I just looked around and I didn't, I didn't see it, and so kind of decided to try to write it myself. I've written a lot of comedy stuff before, and this is yeah. kind of like my first foray into something more dramatic. Um, but so began the process of writing the script, um, and then from there. Wrote the feature script. Um, by the time I kind of had it honed and was kind of submitting it around town here, submitting it to production companies and then um, screenplay competitions, I won some awards for the screenplay. But nice. because of the the price tag for I think producing it, um, and it didn't move in the way that I wanted to, and so I basically decided to write and produce a short film version of that story. Um, so I got an amazing producing partner, um, Devin Renee, who's a Full Sail graduate. We shout out to Full Sail. Shout again. out to Devin. She'll, yeah. she'll, she'll be on here. You guys get to hear her story eventually. So shout out uh, to Devin. Wonderful. Um, and so we partnered on creating the story. And so we did. Um, we pulled it together and we shot it. We're in post-production now. Um, the plan is to have it uh, the short film will be submitted to film festivals in the coming year so hopefully by 2024 we'll be going around the country and um, showing the film and really talking about the history and the story and really shining a light on I think what is most moving about it to me is the collaboration between indigenous and black folks in a way that we just haven't heard about or, or seen told on screen and really haven't really talked about historically much at all. Um, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's certainly intentional as well. And so unfortunately. It's, it's, it's very much um, a story that I've, I've just come to be so passionate about telling and creating. And I think is just so vital, especially now at a time where Florida specifically, um, and certainly Florida's governor specifically is working really hard to try to kind of erase and um, narrow the frame of what their education is to um, really diminish the contributions of folks that they deem uh, to be uh, not worth hearing from. And so I think that this story is, is such uh, so vital, so much more vital now. And so, yeah. 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 So that yeah. one um, is coming. That one is coming. It's called Unconquered. Um, and it's really, man, it's like, it's an epic is really what it is. Um, it is like Braveheart level epic, but with a story that centers, um, you know, black and indigenous characters who are fighting for their freedom and who are not just fighting for their freedom, but, but living in a way that they choose to. And I yeah. think it's uh it's it's so funny how we can live in a country where like for example florida you can look at ocala or tallahassee or so many different places even miami these are all native american names that we just don't think of most people yeah. don't know that these are native american names that we're calling these places this history is kind of just hidden from us and so i think we need to find, take the opportunity to to learn and understand that so that so we can just better appreciate one another and our our place in society today. The history is not some I don't know thing in the past. It's very much the story of, of change and how we come to be. And so I think being able to highlight that is crucially important um, because yeah because it's it's 
it's the story of of I think story of are, America. Good, yeah, who we are, the good yeah. things and the bad things, but also it's like let's be honest about it and, and tell it all so that when you know someone does try to come and, and rewrite their version of it and say, well, no, it wasn't slavery. It was just forced. There were there were forced servants, and it was like, no, 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 no. It's, actually, it's the same thing, no, there, no, no, fella. No, no, no. Actually, no, no, no. It wasn't so bad. There was a hundred percent employment. Hey, everybody. <laughs> it was. It wasn't that. It was free housing. Um, Come on. <laughs> Come on. Jesus, it's free housing. So How can you not like yeah. that? Jesus. Yeah. Come on, man. What are you so upset about? And so oh we need to have, you know, when people literally say things like that, I think it's important for us to have context. And unfortunately, you know, these days, media, whether it be social media or movies and film and TV, educate people, sometimes more so than our actual education system. And so, it's definitely, and, yeah, that's why I think it's so important to have um, stories like that told. Yeah. And, and I remember that when you, I mean, I know you told me all this other accolades that you've done, but when you told me this, I was like, I want, I want to watch this movie. I want to learn more about this moment. I want to talk to you more. It was that that really triggered me to be like, oh my God, you're, you're not just like, I'm making fun things and comedy and stuff. I'm doing whatever. And I'm like, that's cool. I guess you won some awards, but like, this is like, this is cool stuff. Like I, I love hearing those types of things. Like, uh, I at one point I worked at uh, you know make it a blockbuster night. I worked there hey, and I watched dirt right there. Right, I mean it's Target. They came out with it this year. You know what I mean? Oh, so whatever. Target, yeah. yeah. But uh, I remember being the guy who would watch all these indie films and just all the time because you know I mean as an employee you could watch anything you want. You basically got, you got un, you got ten free a week, but you got un, it's unlimited. You could do whatever you want. Nobody gave a shit. That's why they're not in business anymore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you want it? You got it. I could tell you some stories, man. Um, but you know, so so I've seen so many different movies, and then obviously as of lately, it's just been like I'm just like I'm just gonna watch an action movie and do nothing yeah. because that's kind of what it is now i want to talk about that for a second here but i want to talk about uh because we're, we're almost out of time but we got a few more minutes but um so you said you okay wait i got a couple of random questions so speaking of taking this show this uh, this movie of yours and you want to bring it to the different festivals film festivals around the country around the area which i'm very excited for and i if you ever make it to South by or anywhere near Austin, there's other Austin film festivals. If you don't let me know, I'm pissed, but um, what I said, I would not dare. Not in we, we're going to have words. No. Um, <laughs> we, uh, um, did you ever think, I don't know where you are in the process with um, unpacked at the moment. I know it had its moment in, on, on Fox soul, but is that, would you consider doing that as like a traveling troupe? or anything like that? Is that something you have considered as like a last, just to get it out there, if if nothing else comes of it? Would you take that to the stage and bring it around and do live questions and, and do all that kind of stuff? That's an ex that's what, not exactly like that. What, what, I, what I did have conversations about and may still return to was just producing, uh, independently producing more episodes. Mm -hmm. uh, Excuse me, which is kind of like what I did before, where 
Um, I, you know, rented out the space, got all the crew, got the audience and just produced the show. Um, and that is, it's a, you know, more labor intensive process, but it's like, you know, I get to control all aspects of it. Um, and so that conversation is about doing that again, but not really traveling. That's really interesting. I haven't thought of it in that way. Mm -mm. Yeah. I just, I just thought, cause like it, it, it lends itself to that kind of medium because then, you know, it, you can choose where you want it to go, who gets to see it. Not like, you know, who like, no, you don't get to watch it. Fuck you. You're too white. You mm. son of a bitch. And I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> no. Um, but like, you know, because then if like, obviously the best uh, scenario, best case scenario is it gets picked up and, and, and it's on a network somewhere and you can do them, you know, a, a bunch mm. of episodes and stuff like that. But with the discussion part of it, like, it, you know, you could bring it to Austin, Florida, Chicago, Houston, yeah. New mm. York, wherever. Mm. And and so I was just, I was wondering if that came across. So I, Hey, if it, if it works out that way, you know, I'm going to just take a little producing credit on take that. A little oh, yeah, Look, you've inspired, yeah. like you've inspired it. And I'm like, huh, no, yeah, good yeah, job. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Tim who? There's no guy. I don't know what you're talking about. He didn't do anything. Um, I don't know. I just thought that was an interesting piece. Not to like brainstorm uh, live on, on, on the podcast here. Um, but uh, the hell were we talking about? The movie. No. Um, I love, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, so then with uh Ooh. No, you yeah. had a couple of random questions and then we got into the traveling and I was like, yeah, that's an yeah. idea. Yeah. Really um, okay, so here, with, with being immersed in seeing how the bread is made, seeing how everything is done behind the scenes, um, mm -hmm. you know, you, you, you're on set, you get to see how the movie's made and all that stuff, TV show is made, all those things. When you watch something, when you sit down and turn on The Last of Us, when you sit down and pop in, you know, your, your favorite drama or something, are you looking at it in a different light? Are you still able to enjoy things now in the same light that you were 20 years ago before you were really deep into the industry? You know, the, the young... Uh, uh, fresh-faced Hottie Williams watches, you know, uh, a cliffhanger in 1993, and it's like, oh, that's amazing! Look at the special effects, Sly. I love you. Hey, and then now, is it the same kind of eyes, or, or are you picking no, it apart? It's not, it's not, but it hasn't. It's not in the way that I think you might think. It's it. I don't watch it in the same way at all. Um, but I think I watch it with a a closer eye um, because I understand how um, it does come together and how it's made. And when I see it like done really well, I'm even that much more impressed by it because I understand how hard it can be and how difficult sure. and challenging it can be for any number of reasons. So when it's like a scene like moves me or if I, you know, watch something, I'm like, Oh shit, how did, wait, how did he just do that? Or even something I watch and I'm like, I don't quite understand how that happened or like the way in which, you know, a sequence might be edited together. I'm like, damn, I want to be able to do something like that. Um, I'm still absolutely moved. And, and it honestly makes me want to, yeah, get to the point where I can create and bring, to, bring my ideas to life in a way that can have a similar kind of impact. Sure. Um, so it only serves as like, like seeing how the sausage is made only makes me want to That's make the better term. sausage. Son of a bitch. The sausage. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm a vegetarian, but still, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. how the sausage is made only makes me want to, you know, make, oh, man. Yeah, make better sausage. And then and, you, um, you're not going to have the best time in Austin. You tell me to have the best time in Austin? No, if you come to if you come to Austin and South by, you're not going to have the best time because there's so much barbecue everywhere, and it's so amazing. So I'm sorry you miss out on all that, but more for me, more for me. Hey, also. look, I won't mind passing it to you. Enjoy. There you go. There you go. There you go. Yeah, your colon will thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, it won't. No, it won't. Not at all. It, it, it hates me. But anyway, um, the uh, uh, another random question that I'm, I'm yeah. trying to ask people as well is well actually you're the first actor i've had on here or, or anyone in that side but anyone who is in there i want to ask this question obviously uh, because this uh, the history of my show is comic book and nerd related that's that's my jam obviously from the, the decorum um do you i mean marvel gives you a call next week and says I, you know we want you to be obscure character number seven i mean is is that something that like you strive for or is it just it, like are you just happy staying in your not staying in your lane, but are you happy in like the comedy and, and drama and telling your stories and getting your message? Or are you like, shit, I'd I would gladly do superhero or blockbuster action films? Mm -hmm. Um yeah, I mean my short answer is yeah. You know, I'm <laughs> very much <laughs> I'm very much a um, no, fuck you. No, <laughs> no I want to self-produce forever. Yeah. <laughs> Money? I don't need that. Ah, the struggle tastes so good. <laughs> no, um, I'm very much, you know, still a working actor, and so I would, you know, depending on what it is, of course, I would love to be a part of um, some of these larger franchises that I'm certainly a fan of. Also, I think Marvel's done some incredible things as far as yep. bringing, you know, the comic book into the movie space and the way in which it's just kind of exploded. Um, so yeah, I would be very much excited to be a part of it. Like in any, there any number of franchises I could think of like, oh yeah, I would love to slide in here somewhere. Uh, I think that, you know, it's just another, uh, um, canvas in which they tell a story, you know? Um, I think that, you know, comic books and superheroes and villains, it's like, you want to get, I mean, I don't know if you get psychological into it. Um, oh, I definitely do. So, it's like, I think that, you know, it speaks to so much of the, the human experience and the, the good and evil, quote unquote, that lives in all of us. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, this one alone, X-Men alone is like, like, yeah. it's so funny because there was so many things that were like written about that I keep reading about because I still read and, and X-Men historically has been muddled down like they do a billion titles on in the comics so it's hard to follow but they've they've changed all these characters they've made not changed but you know like uh, bobby drake iceman is gay and you know jubilee was a vampire and, and another thing and like you know and, and they're all these they were all at one point everyone was a metaphor for you know minority struggle or and and, and originally honestly when it was written it was like the jewish struggle as well because you know stan lee was jewish and everything so and then everyone's like, well, stop, stop making these characters woke, yeah. dude. If you had gone <laughs> since 1963 thinking that right. X-Men is not woke, you are the problem. Like, you, you are the problem in this world because they are the mm. definition of nerdy wokeness. So, you know, which I thought was, I just, I, I read that and I'm just like, I just smile because I'm like, you're an idiot it's just you're dumb it's fun I, yeah. you can't like, can't you, fix it, it, stupid man so. that's the unfortunate truth we try 
we try. We try. We, we try. We yeah. try. Um, all right, we're running out of time, but I want to mm. give you the time. What do you got going on? Where can everybody find you? What are your socials? Do you do do you have anything coming out soon that people can watch? Is there anything happening? Tell me. Tell me what's going on in your life of Hottie Williams. Yeah. Um, I mean, my socials are easy. I'm, I'm easy to find. I'm at Hottie Williams basically on everything. Um, H-A-R-I Williams. Um, I have, um, I, in addition to the projects that are like more long form that I'm working on, like the film, like I still do like short form sketch stuff that I'll just put out. That's just for social media. That's um, for like Instagram. And um, I, I kind of just slid into TikTok recently and um, have uh, some have YouTube, a YouTube channel where I'll put um, other stuff that like, uh, I don't necessarily have a, like a, a home for, isn't part of, you know, something bigger. And so I'll, I'll I kind of constantly like feeding that. Um, and especially when it comes to sketch stuff, that's like, that deals with a current topic. Um, yeah. I'll just kind of shoot something quick and, and put it out. So um, I'm definitely, always kind of feeding that and putting stuff out there um so i have upcoming um i'm shooting a project uh next month that i'm excited about um it's a sci-fi um vr film you um, have me a sci-fi my friend yeah it's uh it's cool it's actually uh it's it's really cool um it, it kind of just came to me um and i'm very blessed to be a part of it it's um Kind of takes place in a futuristic kind of dystopian world where we have AI, uh, AI-like kind of humanoids that exist um, and serve a number of functions, but one of them is uh, as sex workers. Um, and so, all right, it's kind of about the interesting. Yeah, I, I get to I get to play a detective who's kind of on a case looking for a missing cop and kind of like his last known whereabouts may be buried in like the memory files of one of these AI sex robots. Um, but then while at the same time, it kind of puts into question the autonomy of this AI and kind of her becoming her own individual and entity and owning her own person as opposed to being just used and controlled um, and peddled out and sold. So, um, yeah, that sounds super cool. interesting it is it's cool it's it's, it's cool um it's you gotta let me know when that comes out man i want to check that out yeah yeah absolutely Shit. absolutely it's uh I'm, I'm excited to share it there's a really cool creative team um the writer director's name is charles huddleston um and they've done some some cool work before and so i'm yeah excited to to be a part of that but i'll be filming that uh next month nice Oh, that's I mean, dude, I'm so excited for you, man. I, I hope you keep working. I hope you get lots of work. I hope all of your projects succeed. I want everything of yours to be seen, man, because, it, it, you know, and, and like I said, man, unfortunately, we're coming to the end here, but we could go on for hours and hours. Yeah, and hours. I, we didn't even talk about half the things we talked. Well, I want to talk about because we talk about <laughs> so many emotional things. I wanted to talk about like more comic book movies and everything mm. and anything like that. The last oh, the last question I, I generally try and ask is, what are you watching? Are you watching any shows? Anything you recommend to people? What do you that's what you know, what are you watching? What are you playing? What are you doing? Yeah, I always I watch a collection of things. Um, I watch for sure some of the more popular things like um, like Ted Lasso. I enjoy. I think it's really it's sweet. It's heartwarming. I think Succession is really sharp and 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 um, I, I I watched that. But then I watched uh, Netflix did 
a docu-series, uh, I think that Jada Pinkett Smith produced on like African Queens. Um, and they did one on Queen and Jenga that I watched uh, just a little while ago that I thought was really well done. That was like nice. part dramatic reenactment, part um, like historian kind of retelling. Um, and I thought that was really good. Um, so it's like my taste like really goes from like, geez, even like, like Rick and Morty, like I love and I think it's hilarious. But yep. then I'm also watching like I'll sit and watch um, like a nature documentary in a second. Oh, easily. And all the BBC stuff, man. When I lived in England, I was spoiled. It's just all there's all it's Attenborough, all BBC. Attenborough, man. Oh, he, oh. such a treasure. He's I love this guy. It's so good. Did you see? Um, I think it's see how they fall. Mm. Um, with Sam, I think that's what it's called. It's Sam Rockwell and Saoirse Ronan. And he's like a, he's the British oh, the detective. detective. It, was yeah, yeah. The, uh, it was HBO. Um, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it was yeah, yeah. Max, I want to say. It I want to, like, something like that. Did you see that? I've not seen it, but I know she's like playing his, she's like the. The, the rookie cop, the beat cop. Yeah, yeah, whatever. the rookie cop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It, 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 it's about, uh, a, it's, it's about a play. And I don't remember the name of the play, but. Uh, it, David Attenborough was the when he was young was the star of the play. So it's a it, you know you have some actor playing a young version of David Attenborough in the movie, ah, and I was like, oh, that's good. I like that. Oh, he grows up to be the old guy that I listen to all the time on the stuff. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, it it was good. I I mean, I, it, perspectively, it may not be as good as some of the rest I was thinking, but I watched like three noir detective movies in a row, kind of. I watched Amsterdam, which was god awful, uh, and then I, know what I, talking about. I didn't watch with uh, Christian Bale. And, yeah, uh, yeah, Bale was great as always, but like, mm-hmm. just the movie was. The story seemed a little. Just from the trailer, I was like, hmm, I was in, I was intrigued, and then we watched it, and I was like, I, those were three different movies throughout three, each act was its own movie and that made no sense but then i watched the one with with sam rockwell who is who is an underrated genius um and then i watched uh, uh glass onion so like they're all like little like whodunit detective yeah. movies yeah. and yeah. i like glass onion the most but i think you know for like a smaller production one the, the sam rockwell movie was was excellent so i'll, I'll check it out yeah I'll check it out. just for a throwback detective one uh in preparation for the the role that i'm doing i watched the big sleep um Ooh, classic was like mm, 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 mm-hmm, it took me back mm-hmm, i yeah. um yeah yeah the uh, uh another it's a gem vintage gem yeah i i had an idea for a uh, a noir um kind of detective show because i wrote comic books at one point and and it was convoluted and whatever and and i did all self-produced and then i was going to write one about like a noir and and the thing was, you know, how everybody is like, oh, noir is a little cliche. I was going to like lean into the cliches and just really oh, yeah. make them over accentuated, almost satirical to a point where it's like, oh, OK, it's not necessarily taking itself too funny or too seriously. But then I was like, but I want this story to still kind of hold its own, like the Princess Bride. Like, I feel like that's its own topic of movies is not just mm-hmm. satire, but like serious satire princess bride last action hero um galaxy quest you know like those types of movies that are like absolutely poking fun at a genre but are actually better versions of those movies in that genre 
So that's a whole thing, but I can get into that another time. I've actually, there's an old episode that I talked about. Uh, so you can go back and watch it. I believe it's audio only on Spotify, the modern nerd. <laughs> um, so um, yeah, yeah. I may have to run that by you at some point. Anyway. Absolutely um, will. You know, I'm, um, I'm very much all ears for it. Yeah, definitely. So um, check him out. Check out all the socials at Hottie Williams, H-A-R-I Williams. If you can't spell Williams, you're don't know why you're watching my you, show. No, oh, I should have said also for the um, Unpacked. Uh, oh, yeah. Unpacked TV. Um, and um, oh, you can watch all the old episodes. Uh, yeah, you can watch clips. You can watch episodes. Nice. Um, and um, you can follow if you're interested in more about Unconquered. Um, that is also uh, at Unconquered Film. Um, yeah. We have the behind the scenes photos, uh, makings of, um, we're going to be doing as we're going to be releasing the trailer soon. Um, so follow cool. it and we'll have uh, a bunch of new stuff that'll be going up there. I'll be right there. I'll be your first new follower later today. I Please. guarantee it. Hell yeah. Um, so, you know, this has been a blast, man. And again, I want to do this again because I want to, yes. we, we got, we got real deep on this one and I loved every second of it. It made me feel uh, connected, uh, uh, you know, in there, not empowered. I don't want that word. I don't like that right now, but I, it, I felt good to talk to you about a lot of these different topics that we were going through and it was very nice. And um but I want to get you back on here in the future, obviously, if you if you'll yeah, race me with have, your presence. Um, we'll have we have to find um, a, a next a new reason when some of these things are coming out. We have some exciting new things to discuss. I, I would love to be able yeah. to come. And, and look, if you want a guest on the main show, man, and just give us your, your opinions on comic book movies that come out after you watch them, I'd love to have you on and, and oh, do man. stuff like that and, and just do more because I, I want I want more opinions. Too many times I've gotten off the show and my wife's I've been like, How's, how was it? And she's like, you're all white and one Asian dude. And I'm like, OK, fine, I get it. But like, I don't <laughs> we want more. So we brought I brought my wife and, and my buddy's girlfriend in. They did uh, an episode with us. Unfortunately, oh, nice. unfortunately, it was the Shazam 2 review. So there really wasn't much to be said about that but you know i, I want i want more uh, diversity in my podcast i want more people's opinions to make a more well-rounded conversation so i would love to have you back um as always you know uh, uh to the viewers out there if you had a good time this has been the modern nerd and thank you for watching